Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Taurus Tech Talk. I'm Robert Parsons, Vice President of Sales for Taurus Technologies, and this is my counterpart, Corey Church, Vice President of Technical Operations. We're glad you joined us today. Uh, today, we're going to discuss display solutions and what makes the most sense for your space. How do you choose it? Um, what, what lies in the budget? What makes the most sense long term? All of these factors, and it can be a little daunting, so we're here to help you with that. Um, and we're going we're gonna to kind of banter back and forth about some, some of the technologies so you can learn a little bit about that. But ultimately, we want to talk to you in person if we get the chance so that way we can make sure that the solution is specified properly. So just to kind of go back in history a little bit, um, flat panels have been around for a very long time, since back during uh, the 50s, really. So the government used them before we ever really knew about them. Um, as you can imagine, they probably use a lot of things that we don't really know. Yeah, about. I'm sure they're, well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and then uh, going back even further than that, projection has been used for many, many years. And we knew it as growing up as overhead projection using uh, transparencies. But really the projection premise has been around for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um and so those are just a couple of the technologies that, that are still obviously very dominant in the market today, along with other technologies. Um, so just for fun, tell me about the first television that you ever owned. The, well, okay. So not, uh, the, the first television I ever owned was a tiny, probably like 10 or 13 inch uh, TV, but that's not really all that interesting. The first TV I ever bought with my own money. Yeah, okay, that's why we should have specified it. All right. The first TV I ever bought with my own money, not my parents' money, uh, was a Sony Wega 36-inch Trinitron flat screen, not flat panel. Don't get it confused. <laughs> it's it's a flat piece of glass. What the thing weigh? Like 350 Probably, pounds? yes. Yeah, I um, used to call it the backbreaker. Yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. Uh, I think I helped a couple of friends in college move those around. And I'm pretty sure... Um, but I financed that thing because it was like $1,700. Oh my gosh. And I, I remember being in the store trying to figure out whether I wanted to buy the 36 inch, which is probably the biggest TV I'd ever seen at that point, yeah. like in somebody's home or at the time, what was also popular were those, uh, like DLP esque rear projection TVs with yeah. the grainy looking piece of plastic on the front. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that image quality just isn't as good as the Sony. But it's all we had. Yeah, it's all we had. But if you wanted a 60-inch TV, you got a cabinet the size of a car <laughs> and, and bulbs that lasted about six months. <laughs> all right. What, so so what, mine was also, the, so we'll go with, you know, purchasing with our own money. I um, mowed yards just like a lot of kids trying to make as much money as they could. So and, you're, you're saying you paid... You paid cash. Oh yeah. Paid <laughs> see, cash. I, see, I paid. I think some some company like twenty dollars a month for seventy two years or something. Okay. <laughs> Probably still paying for uh, it today. Yeah, still paying for it. Um. So mine was um uh, was a nineteen inch Magnavox tube television, and it was really sweet, man. It had the side speakers <laughs> like, built into the chassis for the surround sound. Okay. And uh, that's what I um. 
my brother and I played video games on. I mean, I just thought I was the coolest cat. Duck hunt, right? Duck hunt for sure. Um, maybe on like a, on the edge of Atari and then into Nintendo. Um, I think we're really giving away our edges now. So. Yeah, maybe we can find some pictures, and if 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 we're lucky, if, if the viewers are lucky, we'll uh, we'll splice <laughs> those images in along here somewhere, like a little Easter egg. I did find. Um, I had to reminisce with some of my family to remember how much I paid, but we determined it was about two hundred and eighty dollars for a nineteen-inch television. Uh, what what's a what's a sixty-inch like LED run? Costco or Sam's or Walmart or someplace oh, like that, man. Best Buy. Probably about five or $600. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Money All right. well spent. All right. So um, so we've had a little fun there. Let's get into choosing the right display. Um, and it can obviously be a very broad subject. And we know that when people are building out new spaces or they're dealing with an existing space, and one of the biggest obstacles to overcome is making sure that you can see the content that you're trying to display cleanly and clearly right? and from anywhere in said space. So um, we're going to kind of go down this list of the different technologies that are available today and talk about uh, a little bit about their nuances, their, their uh, pros and cons. So first up, and probably the most popular category of display today is flat panel technology. Right. So flat panel technology can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, there are the different manufacturers that make their own series of, of LED technology right. inside of a flat panel. So tell me a little bit about the different technologies around flat panels. So what is there? LED, LCD, LED backlit. OLED and QLED. Mm -hmm. If we're if we're staying in the you know in the the, the flat panel realm, uh, I think probably right now the most common is probably LED backlit and and LCD probably being second to that. Uh, when flat panels were first introduced, it, the 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 common was plasma technology. Oh yeah, and then following that would have been would have been LCD. Uh, the, the, the thing about plasma technology is it's an encapsulated gas, so the cabinets were, were fairly heavy. Even though the displays were thinner, they're not as thin as what we see today. Um, so with the advent of LCD, or the improvement of LCD, rather, we're able to get giant sizes of, of, of displays, 60, 75, 80, 90 in an LCD, at, in, a, in a much... Uh, much thinner package and it weighs significantly less in comparison to you know plasmas of old so why do you think that our market has been so dominated by flat panel technology especially in let's say the last five to seven years honestly it's probably comes down to price i mean just as we were bantering back and forth earlier about how much our early displays cost uh or early tvs you know, I, I think I, like I said, paid sixteen or seventeen hundred dollars for a thirty-six inch TV that was probably two, two and a half feet deep. <laughs> it's just not very practical when you can get a, you know, at the same time get a projector hung from the ceiling and get a hundred inch image for the same money. Gotcha. Okay. So as the the costs have fallen, the technology's gotten better, clarity, brightness all come into play. Not to mention, you know, with a projector, uh, at least. Uh, your typical projectors 
you've got bulb life, which we'll talk about later, um, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, you get a, a year or two out of a bulb, whereas a, a modern flat panel, you're getting what, what's half-life, 50, 60,000 hours? Yeah, I mean... Uh, out that, of an LED backlit display? That could be one of the things. Is, is it fair to say that within flat panel technology choices, there are a ton of different nuances, a ton of differences, especially with flat panels that, like you mentioned, you see at a Costco as compared to what you would buy commercially. So just just real quickly, what's the major differences between those two locations? Buying it as a, as a consumer and buying it for your business. Well, really, I mean, and as you're aware of, there are kind of three classifications. There's the consumer TV you go down to the big box retailer and buy, and we refer to those as consumer displays. And then there's this kind of middle weird market where we take those displays and we add a little bit more technology to them and a little bit better warranty and we call them prosumer. Um, and this is uh, this is an attempt for our, our vendors, our manufacturers in this case, I think, to capture a market and still offer a, a quality warranty and a quality product. And then above and beyond that are your traditional commercial flat panel displays. Um, typically... A uh, much longer warranty, uh, usually intended for longer run times, uh, often referred to as 24-7 runtime gotcha. or, or what is it, 16-5 runtime or something like that. I've seen some strange ones. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. In my house, the TV's on probably 24-7 anyway, and it's, <laughs> it's probably considered consumer or prosumer at best, but... Uh, the, really the primary differences are, you know, what the manufacturers are willing to do for you in case of a, a, a warranty issue. Yeah. The technology for the most part is the same. I, I think the biggest difference between consumer and, uh, commercial in this case is some of the technology as it relates to smart televisions. Some of that doesn't exist in the commercial world, uh, partly for cost, partly for, security reasons in yeah. some case. Uh, and then second to that is power supplies are often different because uh, oftentimes you'll find um, power supplies in commercial grade AV equipment are the first thing to go. Yeah. So they're, they're putting a, a longer runtime power supply in some of these, these displays. Well, I think you, you touched upon a point there about smart displays and how we, we like those at home because we want the ability to use their built-in features and their built-in applications and maybe Netflix and Hulu and those things. Right. But in a business, that may not be what, what people want because you may have a, a similar display at your house and then you go to your business and, and you like, oh, wow, I can, I can easily yeah, stream watch Netflix on that on or, Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> Even if it's not a security risk, it's, you know, do you really want your end users logging in with their Netflix account at work yeah. and, and streaming video over the, the internet. I mean, not all companies are Facebook and Google where they've got nap pods and TVs for everybody. So, um, I could see it both ways. Gotcha. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that in, in flat panel selections and in, in the choice of choosing the right display for flat panels, the pros are going to be costs. Um, it's going to be, you know, obviously a single format piece. It's going to be brightness. And in the commercial respect, it's going to be warranty and runtime, right? Yeah, typically, yeah. And I think the the cons to take the other side of the coin for for that is 
that um, you can only go so big with a single format flat panel today, which, you know, for some rooms, let's say auditoriums, larger boardrooms, uh, there's a wealth of spaces that's just not going to work. Right. So that leads us into um, the next type of technology, which is projection technology. A lot of you have known projectors over the years, uh, lamp-based products, and now they're, they're starting to come out and have been out for a while with um, newer laser and LED products. The laser products and the LED products are designed to have extreme long runtime, right? Yeah, uh, similar to flat panels in this case. Um, 30 to 50,000 hours to half-life. And I made that statement earlier about half-life. Um, the way I understand it is essentially at half-life is when you start to see potential degradation in the image, um, in the light source ability or, or brightness in this case. And what that, uh, you know, what that means is you're going to see the quality degrade in the overall image, whether it's, whether it's LCD or whether it's projection, that's what I, I understand the term to mean. Gotcha. And so, um, just to back up a little bit, I felt like that when you and I were first starting in the industry, the dominant selection for, for a display, um, didn't really carry the categories we're talking about today. Really, it was 95% of the time a projection solution, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, if it was north of 50 inches, yeah, it was getting a projector. A yeah. projector and some sort of wall mount screen or ceiling reassess screen or fixed frame screen, whatever. And I think it's important to point out that the projection solutions back then, they primarily were around LCD-based or DLP-based Mm -hmm. um, colors, right? Yep. And, and having to do with the internal mechanisms inside of those projectors. And then they used a lamp, or in some cases, multiple lamps, to produce the light engine. And this is, you know, we're, we're, we're discussing a technology that was predominant when we started in the yeah. industry, right? Uh, let, let's, not, let's not forget reel-to-reel -reel projectors and... Oh, yeah. Three gun projectors, <laughs> uh, you know, slide projectors, uh, slide projectors. So we, we could, we could go on and on and on, but, uh, to stay kind of semi-focused the you know, it's, it's like you stated, it's, it's LCD DLP three, three chip color, uh, projectors. So just like we, we recently talked about the flat panels, we're, we're talking about projection and inside of the projection technologies, there's a lot of choices as well and i think it's imperative that people understand that you don't just go out and select a projector because you know the name brand or because right. it's a laser exactly you, you think about the type of content that you want to see on mm -hmm. that projector and you think about the space that it's going in because projection is is a two-factor approach so you're thinking about the projector paired with the projection screen right um, and I, I feel like that for many years, people just had this idea that, okay, well, just a matte white fabric is all we need. Um, but now it, I think people are starting to get a little bit more educated on all of the available fabrics and what they actually do for you. Mm -hmm. Um, ambient light rejection fabric, for example, why don't you tell me a little bit about, um, our understanding for, for that technology. So ambient light rejection, um, so there's 
there's a couple of different fabrics on the market. Uh, the most common is either in a fixed frame screen or a drop down like electric recess screen. And the idea is that it rejects light directly over the screen, meaning uh, a fluorescent light, a can light, some sort of spotlight that's uh, shining down. They're manufacturing, weaving the fabric in a fashion that essentially takes the light and, and rejects it. I was trying to think of a better way to describe it, but much like a glare on a TV screen or yeah. a window or your windshield, there are, are coatings and ways to weave and manufacture the product that essentially cancel that light out, much like a polarized lens and a pair of sunglasses. They're, they're using that technology to help make the image appear brighter than what the projector is actually giving you and reducing, essentially, glare. Is it a fair statement to say that if I took a, a 4K 100-inch flat panel and put it into a space, let's say it has no natural light, and I compared that to a 100-inch fixed-frame screen with the proper fabric and a 4K laser projector. Is it fair to say that those would be pretty comparable? With today's technology, absolutely. Um, if you ask that question two or three years ago, uh, it would still be, yeah, most likely, but it would be cost prohibitive. Gotcha. Same with the LCDs that we discussed earlier, LCD flat panels, LED flat panels, the prices on laser projectors and LED projectors have started to come down. So I think you're seeing a bit of a shift in these uh, spaces that need large format displays, so 90 inch and above, where you can, you can get a flat panel quality image using a projector and a quality screen. Nice. And even, you know, even here at Taurus, we've found ourselves partnering with a couple of different screen manufacturers because... It's, it's apparent with laser projectors specifically that selecting the right screen is very, very important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've gone through a lot of education here where we're out in the field um, as salespeople measuring foot candles, and that's light output. So that way we can make sure that we're properly specifying the screen and the projector. Um, and that has everything to do with not only the light that's coming into the space, but also, as I mentioned, the content, the distance from the projector to the screen, is it short throw? Is it uh, a standard throw? Uh, what's the drop of that projection screen? So there's a lot that goes into that. And that's well, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it today. Even your foot candle measurement, you're, you're looking at, you know, um, is, is the light source overhead lighting? Is it, is it windows? Is it direct sun? Is it indirect sun? I, much like the room we're in here, uh, you know, if you, you take a look behind us, we have these you know, metal blinds that are, that, are, that are covering the window. But thankfully, in the studio, there's no direct lighting at any point during the day. Yeah. So the light output in here is fairly consistent once the sun comes up until the sun goes down. But you and I have both been in boardrooms where in the morning there's little to no sun. And in the afternoon, you've got to put blackouts down. Because you're literally getting cooked in the fishbowl that you're in. <laughs> yeah, no one likes that. No. So you're, you know, you're, 
you guys, uh, as, as sales folks and the design engineers who are visiting these sites, sure, it might be 8.30 in the morning, but you've got to take an account all day. Yeah. I, I mean, this goes for specking lots of things in the, in the space aside from projection or LED, LCD, flat panel, any, any display technology. It, it all comes into play. So, so let's go pros and cons for projection solutions. So in my opinion, um, projection, some of the pros are much larger image than single format flat panels, mm -hmm. um, longer run times, longer lifespans with laser and LED projection technology. Right. Um, we even are getting uh, crisper images when pairing projectors and screens together properly. Right. Uh, what about cons? Well, uh, your, your labor to put in a projection screen and a projector are typically higher than um, even a similarly sized flat panel. Uh, typically, you know, that's, that's from facilities to in our labor to remediation for the space to make sure that everything fits in the way it's supposed to fit. Uh, oftentimes, it's referred to putting a flat panel on a wall, say a 70 or an 80 inch, as 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 a hanging bank, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, as long one of our favorite terms. One of our, fa yeah. So it's hey, let's let's make sure we have the appropriate uh, access and electrical, and we can put them out on the wall and put a display on the wall. As long as everything is is kosher, then we're in good shape. Sometimes the coordination effort to put a projector in the ceiling with the local state municipalities and facilities can be semi-challenging. Um, and then if you're doing a, a ceiling recess screen, you've got electrical for that. You've got structure for that. You've got ceiling remediation for that. So I think the biggest single difference if we're comparing apples to apples is, is your, your labor involved. And I don't mean just our labor. I think I've also seen just to add another, I mean, I, I don't know that you would really call it a con, but we want to make sure that the listeners are, are educated that 4K laser projection technology is not um, completely saturated the market yet so it's it's not quite there to compare a 4k 100 inch flat panel like i did earlier to a 4k projector yes there are some in the consumer market most of the ones in the consumer market are going to be lower brightness and designed for movie theaters you know right. they're not going to be in a business place so please understand that um, when you hear this podcast odds are that that 4k projection is is not quite there just yet. I don't mean technology-wise. I just mean availability of various products. Well, it's available. It just costs a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Uh, the, the, I was trying to ease into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in with both feet. Yeah, it's cost. It's cost prohibitive. I mean, for for your kind of run-of-the-mill conference room. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about a half a million dollar boardroom space, then you know, let's let's break the bank. Let's do it. But that's that's your. That's your fringe case. Okay. All right. So now the last uh, bit of technology that we want to move on to, and, and don't get us wrong, there, there are other offerings out there, but the way that we're trying to, to shrink this down is into the three different categories. So we talked about flat panels. We talked about uh, projection. Now we're going to talk about direct LED and, and what that means to people. A lot of people um, refer to it as video walls, um, and it doesn't really have to be a video wall, so to speak. So, um, Corey, tell me a little bit about direct LED technology. Well, uh, 
thankfully the 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 title is fairly uh, self-explanatory. I mean, it's it's an LED that's direct to your face. I mean, literally pointed at your face to do color reproduction, and it's it's a series of LEDs that are all strung together to reproduce the image that you're given it. Uh, earlier, we had talked about backlit LED. And essentially, this is uh, using LEDs to provide the backlighting for the image. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas direct LEDs actually using an LED to display the image. And I don't mean a single LED. I mean millions and millions of LEDs. Um, in the LCD world, you, you know, it could be referred to as, as, as a pixel. And it's still referred to as a pixel in the direct LED world. But in these cases, an LED might make up of one or two or three pixels in this case. And, and they're, they're typically soldered to a board that has a controller that's uh, allowing the color reproduction to build you the image you're looking to display. Is there a size limitation to LED? Uh, it's probably more like, do you have a space? <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I tried to lead you into that. Yeah, I don't know that there's a size limitation. I, I mean, it's going to be resolution and graphics and formats that are going to potentially hold you back uh, or, or the engines that are running them. But as far as uh, direct LED size limit, I mean, we have uh, Jerry Jones's Cowboy World over there. How big is that thing? Oh my gosh! I literally don't know. I, I, I just thinking of of the biggest LED displays. According uh, to uh, Google, because um, <laughs> I, I really I did want to look this up. So the the size of the middle display that we've all seen on television or in person, it makes up the equivalent of thirty two hundred and sixty eight fifty two inch displays. And as far as like like Corey's mentioning the LED lights themselves, it, it's comprised of ten million five hundred eighty four thousand LED lights. It's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of Christmas lights. <laughs> That's a lot of Christmas lights. <laughs> so so LED is the newer of the technologies, and the an LED light has been around for a light a long time. Yeah, but bringing that into a display feature. Is, is not that old. I think most commonly people have started to see them as digital billboards going down the highway yeah. or in front of a church. They've got a, a, an LED sign. Um, I think well, that's probably where it started to stem. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at even uh, road warning signs, that's a crude version of LED. Yeah. Uh, it's just giant LEDs, right? It, it, the... The pixel pitch in this case and the resolution in those cases typically isn't as important. It's more about the message and it's usually, you know, two color format. It's not it's not as important. And and again, like with the billboards you've seen or displays outside of businesses, you can definitely from the road even tell a quality difference in uh, a finer pixel pitch, uh, direct LED versus, uh, you know, a wider pixel pitch. So and and, you know, for those of you listening uh, who came to our show, probably saw in our training room a recently installed direct LED uh, display. What's that, 120 inch or so? I think it's 110. 110. And uh, 
that's a great example of a direct LED video wall that essentially is four 55-inch display cabinets that are assembled uh, much like a traditional video wall. So talk to me. You mentioned pixel pitch, um, and, and we're, you know, our overall subject is choosing the right display. Mm -hmm. so, so where does pixel pitch come into play with which one you select, and, and where do they range from? What's the smallest pixel pitch to... I mean, the largest, I mean, I guess would never end. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what the largest is. It, it seems like, at least in our industry and the people we talk to, it's all, always, you know, what's the smallest available? And what's, what's playing our offering now? Point, point well, seven five? Um, yeah, they have a, they have a point five model they're, they're going to be coming model. out with. Okay. But right now, it's my understanding that point eight or point nine is probably the smallest okay. that they have. And what's in our training room? Uh, our training room's a 1.2. 1.2. And it's it's fairly impressive. Um, the the thing I would say about, again, choosing the right display is pixel pitch is going to come into play. So the, the 1.2 that we have in our training room, I would say about the closest you'd want to sit to that and, and still be able to view the image the way it's intended is probably 8 to 12 feet. Um, this is my personal opinion. There are... Certainly calculators that yeah. may tell you something different, uh, but this is just me looking at it and being able to see the individual pixels and 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 how, how it looks with various content. Um, when you've got a lot of moving content, like a, a sports channel or a news channel, it, it doesn't seem to come into play as much as if you're trying to show, say, a spreadsheet gotcha. or a Word doc where you're literally reading words off the screen and and that's kind of what you know you and i end up designing around is you know what the content is and so you're you're going to take into consideration your content your nearest seated participant and um essentially runtime and size so that's how you're kind of going to determine pixel pitch if it's a if it's a a sports arena and the closest participant in in this case in in uh, Cowboy Stadium is gosh uh, 150 200 feet yeah if that the pixel pitch becomes less and less important because your eyes can't distinguish at that at that distance gotcha but if you're talking about a boardroom or a space like this where the room's only you know 14 feet by 14 feet or whatever your closest participant could be as little as six feet away from the, the display um you're right there we as we go through the trainings as we've designed these various uh, led walls and led displays um, there are guidelines there are calculators that will give us the best practice you know to, to pick the pixel pitch but i i feel like that having seen several of these now in person that we've installed I feel like that you're right. It, it does have a range. We can't just say that 1.2 is perfect viewing from 12 feet. Right. I feel like that everyone's different. I mean, you know, so sometimes both you and I wear glasses, and I feel like that everyone's <laughs> a little bit different. The yeah. other thing I've noticed about LED-based products is that their viewing angles are superb. Yeah, off angle. And and I think what you mean by viewing angle is, is uh, when you're looking at a display in an apartment store, you're typically standing front and center, right in the middle, at the optimal viewing distance. But the reality is, if you put a video wall up in an auditorium that's 150 feet wide, 
you're going to get somebody out on the edges uh, who who might be at a 20 or even 30 degree angle uh, from from the from the side of the display. And not all displays or projection screens are created equal in That's that correct. realm. Uh, and, and this is, I, I kind of wanted to mention this a minute ago. This is part of the reason if you come to our office, and this is again for the, for the, for the viewers and the listeners, if you come to our office, you're going to see a wide variety of um, display options to choose from. And this is, this is done on purpose. So that you can get a you know an in purpose uh, in person feel for what these options look like in real life in real environments in real spaces not doctored up not not sauced up at at a manufacturer's facility these are you know real live environments with windows and with furniture and carpet and all that business yeah absolutely and so to just kind of wrap up the the LED. Um, why don't you give me your thoughts on the pros of, of LED-based technology? Uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to share some of the same pros as the other display technologies, and one of those is runtime life. Uh, it's not uncommon to see those billboards on the side of the highway lit up, as far as I know, twenty four seven. I don't think they ever turn them off, and those are all going to be most likely direct LED. Uh, the other, the other big pro, and, and the reason you see them outdoors all the time, is the direct LED have uh, a better likelihood of surviving in in harsher climates. Meaning, it's outside of a climate controlled boardroom. It's it's in direct sun. It's in direct rain. It's in direct uh, dust and wind and so forth and so on. So that's a that's a big big pro. Uh, the the other you know the other the other pro depending on the product is offboard components. Oh yeah, uh, and and we really haven't we haven't discussed that, but a lot of your video wall technology, including LED, allow you to offboard the components, and that means that I can take the the power supply, I can take the video engine, and I can move them into a secure climate controlled room and i have just the dummy panels hanging on the wall uh, so your your service gets a little bit easier your maintenance gets a little bit easier uh, and and then you're not taking as up as much of a footprint on the display wall as well so i had a conversation with a, a new customer we're doing a 32 foot wide touch wall wow um and direct led direct led okay yeah. um and the customer was astounded. I mean, he's been in facilities and planning uh, for new construction and renovation for almost 30 years. He's astounded to, to find out when we were talking to him about, well, I don't actually need any power on this wall. The power needs to be located over here with our AV rack. Yeah. And I'll give you some power cal calculations, some BTU counts. Um, they were absolutely astounded by that. So what, what you're saying, though, is that we're just running what low voltage cable between those offboard components, as you call it, and to the wall. You still have to power the wall, right? I mean, there there's still um, there's still some. I don't want to say high voltage because it's not technically high voltage. It's technically low voltage powering because LEDs are low draw. Mm -hmm. um, but 
it's you know it's a thicker cable and then to transmit the video yeah it's definitely done over you know a, a fiber connection or a category connection of some sort depending on distance and and the other you know the other thing to mention is as the your your contact pointed out is i don't need um whatever a 32 foot wall might need power wise like 16 outlets strung <laughs> strung across a 32 foot wall I mean that's a that it was can, 16 cabinets wide by six cabinets high. Yeah, so that's yeah. A so with lot. Daisy Chain, yeah, you're looking at you're looking at about 16 outlets. Even even if you're able to share circuits between the outlets, it's still an electrician, you know, pulling wire to each each location four or six feet apart, uh, and then the the coordination of backing the wall or making the wall support the additional weight of the power supplies that are in these cabinets, so forth and so on. Um, I think that's a huge advantage, a huge pro for LEDs. It, it's not just about offboarding the components, but when you do that, you're also adding other other nice things when you're when you're talking about integration and control. So now we have those offboard components, the way right. that we bring our sources in, the way that we control it, right there next to the rest of the equipment. So there's there's something to be said for that about the way to perform maintenance. I mean, the overall initial installation. Um, so I think that's extremely important for customers to understand. Uh, another pro is that, you know, they, the manufacturers ha have to tell you some type of lifespan for, for LEDs. But in our experience so far as they've really started to dominate the market is that it's hard really to discern what the lifespan is going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... <clears throat> it's I, I think really it's just done with scientific calculations they, they run them in various environments and then determine based on that what the expected lifespan should be it's how they're determining warranties it's how it's how they're determining um you know what what the uh replacement on hand should be if if any at all um the other thing i, I want to mention and, and we've you know we've said service maintenance about half a dozen times in the last seven <laughs> minutes. And I hate to keep pounding on that, but uh, traditionally when you'd have to service a, a video wall, you'd have to take it apart. Yeah. So you mentioned it was 16 cabinets wide and six cabinets high or something like yeah. that. If I had an issue with the middle cabinet and I didn't have rear access availability, which is, you know, super awesome if you do, but we don't always, then um, those things are linked together. I've got to take an entire row apart to get to the middle of that video wall. If I've got to service a video board or a power supply, whereas with the offboard components, I can simply just uh, unrack the equipment, take it out and put it back in. I don't have to disturb the environment in which the video wall is in. Um, and again, going back to manpower, if I've got to dismantle half a video wall, I've probably got two to four people potentially rental equipment that you know lifts or scaffolding whereas if it's in a rack in a closet just need access and and most likely one person um i think it is also interesting that we're we're now designing walls that are not just flat it's not just an led wall that's flat sometimes we're doing mosaic approaches yeah. which is another customer that we're we're looking at they want it to to be a wow factor for the customers that are coming into the building. Just to be clear, mosaic walls mess with my OCD. <laughs> I, I can't handle the 
the the the miss the purposeful misarrangement of of these tiles and cubes spread all <laughs> over a wall. I think the end result, if you if you've got a good graphic artist who yeah. really makes it look awesome. Yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, content's super, a big deal for that. Like, that's so crooked. <laughs> it's purposefully crooked. crooked. Yeah, it, it goes against uh, our whole driving force for sure. Yeah. Um, the other the other part that we're seeing a lot with LED walls is is curved. So we can curve to a certain extent these LED walls to really bring a nice factor into play. We have people that do uh, immersive design centers, so to speak, mm-hmm. that want that curvature to really like from the definition of the word, immerse themselves into the content. We have a lot of uh, retail locations doing things like that, knock centers, EOCs, because it gives you a much nicer viewing angle. Um, if you if you have somebody in a EOC, for example, reviewing content all day long, twenty four seven. So, and then so we God, we've really hammered home on the pros. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What are the What are the cons? I mean, what's the single biggest con you think? Well, it's got to be cost. I mean, um, we want to be honest with the with the customers out there that out of all these pros, you're looking at an investment. It's it's uh, it's one thing to go out and buy a hundred inch flat panel and understand the warranty that comes with that, the technology that comes behind that. Um, but it's an investment. It's a true investment to buy a large format LED wall because you're looking at something that first of all is going to give you everything that you need and secondly hopefully is something that you don't have to budget to replace every three to five years like you do with a lot of the technology that we're installing today unfortunately that's just the way it is right i mean the the the, you know the other thing too with the led wall is they're typically designed by space yeah you mentioned a hundred inch flat panel or even a projector or a screen um it's not it's not uncommon to have to take those down and move them to a different space, a different boardroom, a different meeting space, or reallocate them if there's an upgrade that happens. But if you're talking about designing an LED wall for a specific space, it may not necessarily move to a new space in the way that you think it might. Yeah. You know, oftentimes when you're sitting down with a client or the engineers are, are working through a solution with various manufacturers, it's very, very space specific rarely is it um go buy it out of a box yeah yeah i would say that 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 is a good way to point out a con um i mean it can be a pro and a con that that we can build it spaces space specific but it's also something like you're pointing out that really we're not going to intend to use in this other space right if you're if you're thinking that i'm not going to be in this space or this lobby or this boardroom for more than a year or two then you know Maybe you want to hang tight, see where it goes. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, I don't, if you're looking at renewing a lease or upgrading office space, um, maybe you buy the 100-inch flat panel and reallocate it later. It's certainly easier to do. That's Not trying stuff. to deter anybody from buying giant video walls. No, but, but we want to be honest, too, and, and make sure that people are educated. And I think the hopefully what you've got today is a little bit of knowledge that maybe you've already had or maybe you didn't have around these different categories. Um and I think really just sum it up is that it's it's difficult to pick the perfect display. And in some cases, there there isn't the perfect display solution. I think what's important is to work with an integrator, and, and hopefully it's Taurus. But if it's not, to make sure you work with an integrator that is knowledgeable, that's talking about the things that Corey and I have been talking about, that's doing the due diligence, asking you those questions. Because 
you don't want to, regardless if it's a, a $600 flat panel all the way up to a half a million dollar video wall for a stadium, the last thing you want to do is make that investment and and make a poor decision just because you weren't given the facts to begin with. So I think it's very important there. And, and like Corey mentioned earlier, one of the great things about working in a place like this, the m many great things, is that we get the opportunity to show all this technology in-house. Everything we've talked about from flat panel technology to projection to laser to LED, um, we have this all here. So we want to challenge you to get in touch with us, come out, take a look at the space, bring your content if you want to. We, we want you to be unabated to, to, to have the ability to see whatever you want to see, and that way you can make an informed decision. So, so Corey, anything else to add? Uh, I got kind of stuck. There are other integrators out there. It's not just maybe it's maybe it's just me. Uh, no, yeah, I'm sure I, the boss I've, man will love I, that part. I've I've got nothing else. I, I I appreciate everything. Great, thank you very much for joining us, uh, and thank you as well for listening. If you have anything that you'd like to add, you want to hear more subjects like these or something else, please email us at info at and we look forward to having you again. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.